I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. And now, giving you access to the locker rooms and the minds of the independent scene, here are the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting. Mike Crockett. Actually, I prefer to be called Maestro. And the kingpin, Brian Malonis. He's the win, and nobody beats him. This is the wrestling podcast about nothing on the New Age Insiders Network. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 45, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars, the irresistible force, the immovable object, the Robert E. Lee of the Uncivil War, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. Oh, hello, Michael. Oh, hello, Kingpin. <sighs> How you feeling? Well, feeling like I destroyed Mike Mills in this Uncivil War. That's what I'm feeling like. You'd think, wouldn't you? You'd think. Yeah, yeah. he has a couple of cronies making a lot of noise on Twitter. Yeah. Well, Brian, today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on the NAI Network, we've got your promo about nothing as always, and in just a moment, we'll be speaking with Ring of Honor Wrestling's most amazingly named character, Cheeseburger. But first, the Uncivil War, Brian... Let's just get right down to it. Uh, when it comes to the votes, you kind of got destroyed. Yes, Mike Mills rallied up his troops and had them all. Uh, you know, it's the it's the vocal minority. If you actually listened to that, it's also a bunch of people who all already had their mind made up before they even listened. But I just want to know, and uh, a couple of them won't respond to me on Twitter. I just want to know what time is Mid South Wrestling on this week, and. Uh, I must have missed, uh, yeah, I must have missed the NWA and WCW on Superstation TBS now, right? I mean, where are they? What channel are they on? What time are they on? What day are they on? Brian, it's not about that. I, that's a big piece of the story, my man. I don't think so. Well, you never agree with me. You never have my back. <laughs> I think Mike Mills articulated his points quite well. He did not. All he did was insult me and make snoring noises. That's all he did. I like that. <laughs> well, you're very simple-minded. <laughs> oh, that's not nice. So, yes, we're closing the book on the uncivil war on the North versus South debate. The South is the better wrestling oh, region. Oh, knock it off. Get out of my face. Are you kidding me with this? What? Well, we we said this. We're going to put this to a vote, and then that's it. So No, you you said that. We didn't say that. You said that. I won that debate hands down. I actually made valid points. I brought facts to the table. Mike Mills yelled a lot, insulted me a lot, made some made some funny noises a lot, said, "Oh, come on." a lot, talked alternative facts a lot, but he didn't actually bring real facts to the to the table. Well, Irregardless, as a friend of ours would say, <laughs> he won the debate. So I think he did not win the debate. That's insanity. That is no. I will not accept that. That's not no. No, absolutely not. I reject this nonsense. He had some of his friends. He might. They might even be Twitter accounts. He runs himself. Oh, Jesus. just bark a ton on on Twitter, and that's it. So what? As I said on Thursday, this past Thursday's BDA bonus episode, this will never end. No, it was already over before it started. The North won. I, I, I don't know what what your what wrestling programs you were watching, or uh, it's not the friggin' NWA network that everybody subscribes to. It's you know, it's not it's not Starcade that people gather for every year in their living rooms. It's not uh, you know, it's not war games that uh, we all get together and gamble on. It's not World War Three. We all pull numbers out of a hat for Michael. The last time I saw the the the, the last man standing from that era of wrestling, is the North. New York, WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it. Well, can we at least get a truce here? I mean, you guys are getting more and more vicious as the days go on on Twitter and social media. Can we at least uh, calm this thing down a little bit? Uh, hey, tell people to stop coming at me on, uh, on the Twitter, man. 
I'm going to fight back every time they come at me. You told me I need to be more engaging with uh, with people on Twitter <laughs> instead of just retweeting. So I'm engaging. You certainly are. You are <laughs> engaged fully. Um, yes. I guess better than fully engorged, right? <laughs> I, that is that is true. That is true. Uh, so yeah, Mike Mills. Uh, you think you think this is you think this is what you think this is what the South did too when they lost the Civil War? Just yelled and stomped and complained and had a, and had a few a few people complain loudly so that they tried to be declared the winner. I don't think that's what's happening here, Brian. But we should probably <laughs> move on from this. I mean, and I, I was going to come on here and give you spoilers, Mike. You were for, until you, until you made me angry. Yeah, for Ring of Honor TV. Yeah, I was going to give you all the spoilers, but you made me mad now, so I changed my mind. Oh, Jesus. So is it this weekend that the Pittsburgh TV is starting? Yeah, well, this past, yeah, this past weekend. Um, so I guess next weekend, like the weekend of March the 4th and 5th, I think is the uh, will be when you'll see my lovely face on TV. Make sure you check out the Kingpin Brian Malonis in his national or international television debut with Ring of Honor as part of the Top Prospect Tournament, right? Right. Well, unless you count MTV's True Life, <laughs> you're a background player, Brian. <laughs> and, you hey, a and no superstar. opportunity wasted. <laughs> that's that's true, but no one remembers that show. No one remembers that uh, short-lived reality series. <laughs> and uh, in air quotes, reality. <laughs> Could you say that again this time for this camera? <laughs> oh boy, we K-fade should tell that story there, sometime of that uh, that whole thing. So yeah, Ring of Honor TV uh, will air this weekend on Sinclair Affiliates. And it'll be on the Fight TV app, I believe, Monday. It will be uh, that's a, a, a week from today, and then it'll be on the ROH website later that week. So make sure you check out the Kingpin, support him, his TV debut on Ring of Honor TV this coming weekend in the next week. All right, so let's break it down for you. In addition to this podcast, we do each and every Monday on the New Age Insiders Network. We also do a separate podcast exclusively for BDA Radio on Thursdays. It's all new, original content, touching on a different topic every week, voted on by you, the listeners, at the WPAN on Twitter. Plus, we respond to your feedback in Merv Griffin time. We have a ton of fun with the Heal Laugh Hall of Fame and so much more. The easiest way to find everything we're doing, just search WPAN on your favorite podcast app. It's that simple. The NAI Network and our wrestling podcast about nothing feed will come up where you can get our exclusive BDA bonus episodes as well as the first 38 episodes of this fine podcast. So subscribe right now and get a whole lot of nothing. All right, Mike, I'm going to stop you right there. What? All right. I'm going to stop you right there. I know you're about to plug Facebook.com slash the WPAN and on Twitter at the WPAN and Instagram at the WPAN. Did I do a good job with that? Well, you kind of sped through it, but yeah. Okay. Well, all of your social media platforms, the WPAN. Thank you. You're welcome. So you like to have all your buddies on. The, the Mike Mills of the world, the R.J. DeLuise's of the world. <laughs> yes. Guys that come on, Eric Tolley's of the world, the guys that come on and insult me. Right. Uh, especially in my absence. It's fun. So now I'm going to have one of my friends on, and I'm going to take this over right here. Since I'm the one that went out and, and got this guest, I'll do the honors this time. Yeah, do it. Do it to it. Well, he's somebody I, I've, I've come to know uh, a little bit over these last few months. Somebody who uh, is, is becoming or, or may already be one of the most popular members of the Ring of Honor roster. Uh, has made some forays over to New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Welcome, Cheeseburger from ROH. How you doing, man? Hello, Brian. Hello, Mike. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, how are things, man? I mean, you've been over to Japan now, what, twice, right? Yeah, yeah, two times, both times, just for the uh, the Dome show and then the Kirken Hall New Year's Dash show after that. So hopefully I'm, I'm hoping to go back again uh, this year. I, I miss it over there. Not a bad place to debut at the Tokyo <laughs> right. Dome. That's like a small indie show, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to go to Japan just for like for so long, just just to visit and to not only go to wrestle, but to like wrestle in the Tokyo Dome, my first show. That was very like just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, so I mean, you started what about like 2012? Uh, 2010 actually. Like I started training in 2010, and I had my first match at like late 2012. Okay, so you didn't you didn't start the ROH dojo, did you? No, I did, yeah, I did start from scratch at the uh, the ROH dojo October 2010. I was 17 and going to like my senior year of high school. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't realize you were you were that young when you started. What was uh 
I mean, obviously a life lifelong fan and everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like uh, just for so long, like growing up, I would watch it with my dad. We always uh, I, I was there like in the WCW growing up, but we'd always watch WWF. And like uh, going into like middle school, I kind of fell out of it for a little bit. But then back in high school, I got back into it like really heavy. And that's when I started discovering uh, the Indies, like ROH and uh, Japan and all that. So you you're, you were a WWF fan, so now you're talking uh, in the 2000s. It's funny because when I talk about uh, me growing up, it's and Mike is probably largely the same way. We our our growing up was Hulk Hogan. Uh, <laughs> right. So who was your guy <laughs> growing up? Always, definitely, always Rock and Austin. Like those were always always two of my guys. Undertaker as well, and then like. As I at the time, I didn't appreciate him more to later. But Eddie Guerrero, like at the time, I liked him, but I didn't really grow to like love him until like years. Like once I started becoming a wrestler and went back and watched his stuff, I was like, oh, I didn't. I always knew he was great, but I never realized like how good he was. And Shawn Michaels, too. So a guy like The Undertaker, like uh, guys that size. Now, you're a guy of uh, a smaller stature, uh, I guess we'll say. Uh, so did you think it was something that was attainable for you, looking at all these larger-than-life characters on the WWF TV? Actually, actually, no. Like When I first, when I first signed up for the uh, ROH Dojo, I actually signed up to be a, a manager. I didn't think I had what it, takes to, had what it took to be like, an actual wrestler. But at the, uh, at the school... The uh, managers and like referees, they had to go through the same training as the wrestlers. So we learned like all the chain wrestling, all the warm up drills. And then once we got the bumping, and like once we started learning chain wrestling and bumping, I realized like, oh, okay, I might actually, uh, might actually be able to do this. So I just kept continuing with the wrestling part of the training, and it just kind of like spiraled from there. Yeah, you, you hear that kind of story a lot, and and and, and it's funny um, because a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Todd Sinclair, who's been a guest on this podcast. Um, me and him actually broke in same school, same place, same time, right. but he, we did the same thing at that school. You went through the, you know, the, I mean, Todd had ne- never had any desire to be, you know, a wrestler, but he went through, you know, the training with us. I mean, I remember right. locking up with Todd wrestling Todd. So I think it gives you, even <laughs> if you're, you know, going to be on the outside of the ring yeah. or a referee, it gives you a, yeah. a great perspective. Oh, de- oh, definitely. It gives you like, I think it gives you like a, a better appreciation of like just what, what goes into it and plus like i think if you know like what like the more knowledge you have about what's going on whether you're like a referee or a manager or even just like a ring announcer or a commentator i think that'll that just helps broaden your perspective on like what's going on in the ring with the actual wrestlers so you didn't actually get on a roh show until 2013 so right. did you wrestle for other promotions before that yeah, just a couple of indie indie shows like here and there. Like my first like year or so, it was like very infrequent. Like with my with my bookings, it'd be like one match like every like two months or so, and that'd just be just if someone if there's someone I knew and they had a show running like uh the Briscoes. The first the first match I ever had was on a show ran by the Briscoes in Delaware, and I remember uh, Carino ran a couple of shows near me, and he uh, gave me like two or three matches. So so now you're a cheeseburger, but I, we did you know we did our research here. <laughs> Tell me about Leech Landa. <laughs> uh, it was just so it was just so kind of like it's just a mask <laughs> like I had like I just came up with like uh, just once I once I was ready for my first match. I had always been a huge fan of like luchadors and mass wrestlers. Like Liger was always my favorite. Him, uh, Ultimo Dragon, and like Great Sasuke. Once I started getting into that heavy into that Japanese stuff, like. I became a huge fan of mass wrestlers, so I always wanted to be a I always wanted to be a mass wrestler myself, and then that was the direction I was going for a while, which really didn't the character really had like no direction. It was just something I was doing. But then, uh, obviously, once uh, Cheeseburger started getting popular, I uh, put that to a rest. And I'm sure you probably said it a thousand times, but the origin of the Cheeseburger name. <laughs> uh, could you go through that real quick for the people listening? <laughs> <laughs> I get asked that question so 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 yeah, much. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so like the Shit, name Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> it started as a nickname when I first started, and just uh, uh, Rhett Titus actually takes credit for it, so uh, I'll i make sure I give him I give him his due credit. Uh, <laughs> when, uh, when I first started training, just because I was so like small and skinny, he, like the joke was always, uh, "Oh, that boy like needs to eat a cheeseburger to like gain some size." So the name just kind of stuck from then on. And throughout my training, people always tell me, like, yeah, you're going to eventually wrestle this cheeseburger. And I was just thinking, like, oh, God, I really hope not. Like, I, <laughs> I do not want this to happen. So uh, it was just a nickname. And, like, a lot and like a lot of people, like, 
had no idea what my real name was. So like even just guys in the locker room called me, uh, called me cheeseburger. So, uh, in I believe January, 2013, it was a show in Baltimore. We had, uh, Charlie Haas had come out and, uh, he was like the big heel at the time. And he came out to cut the promo and the crowd is like, uh, like 600 people in Baltimore. And for some reason, like that day, the crowd was just like really like rapidly like hating Charlie. So they brought like toilet paper and they were like, just shower him with toilet paper as he came out. And uh, I was ringside doing like the, the ringside duties. So the, the gimmick was uh, he comes out to cut the promo and I'm in there cleaning out the, the toilet paper and the streamers. And he, he gets on me for like getting in on his, uh, his TV time. So he challenges me to a match on the spot. So what happened was I got it. I got in the ring with him and uh, he started berating me on the mic and just off the cuff, he called me a uh, cheeseburger. So then the entire crowd of that Baltimore show started chanting cheeseburger. <laughs> 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 so we, we start the match and like Charlie takes his shirt off and I take my shirt off and then the crowd starts going crazy. And so we, uh, we, we, he like gives me like a belly to belly and then like locks me in the hops of pain. And then that was it like, like 10 seconds. So when I came to the back. They were like, all right, we may, uh, we may have something here. And it just, it started, I started like a, a small angle with Charlie that went from like, uh, for the next few, uh, next few months after that. Well, you know what I'm thinking here, Crockett? What's that? I'm thinking, thank God no crowd ever cheered, uh, wildly for the name Brian Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> was that your, was that your nickname? That, yeah, that was the moniker that I was, uh, that I was stuck with, uh, when I first started. Brian oh. Buffet. So, uh, and I was stuck with that for actually a couple of years, but, uh. uh I hated cheeseburger at first. I, I hated it, but now, like I, over time, like obviously now I've grown to love it. But just like just thinking about it, like at the when it first happened, I remember kind of dreading that this would probably be like what I'd be known as for like the time, like the next few years going forward. <laughs> but now, I mean, now you, I mean, you've really developed like quite a. I mean, I could, I'd even say like a, like a cult following. I mean, I've been at a number of the um, you know ROH TV tapings over the last few months since the since the fall, and and the crowd goes absolutely bonkers for you <laughs> as soon as your music hits. I mean, that's got to feel that's got to feel pretty damn good, man, huh? Oh, absolutely. Like uh, just over. I, I I like it a lot because I think it happened very organically. Because like uh, the I think the crowd feels invested in me because they kind of were they were a part of my development. Like when, like I said, it, the whole name and idea behind it was just because they started chanting it. Like just because Charlie house randomly said it on the mic, like he could have said anything and they could have just not, not even get, not even cared, but they, uh, they started chanting that. And so I think, and, uh, my development and the way the character was introduced was introduced very gradually and slowly. Like it wasn't just, all right, this guy's cheeseburger now. Here he is. You know, it was very, the way it was built up over time was very natural and very organic. And I think the crowd kind of feels they were a part of that. You you mentioned that you uh, sat at ringside for a long time before uh, mm-hmm. you know Charlie Haas uh, you know kind of dragged you into the ring, and you so you had the. Uh, unenviable task of sitting next to a uh, ring of honor ring announcer Bobby Cruz <laughs> for many months. <laughs> we both know, uh, we both know Bobby pretty well. Um, do you have anything, uh, any stories or anything to say about uh, our friend Bobby Cruz? Uh, I don't, nothing off the top of my head. I think, uh, I guess it's always, 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 always was friendly with Bobby. I think just he, it takes a little while to warm up with the people. I think like just having to see him around, like, often so i think like the first couple of times he, just, he saw me he's probably like oh, who is this kid but like uh now like over like over time i think it just, it just takes him some time to warm up with people well when you're when you're up here in june uh burger mm-hmm. what, what i want you to really do is ask bobby uh if he'll take you on a a tour of his hometown of fall river massachusetts I think he'd, uh, I think he'd really enjoy enjoy showing you around. <laughs> why, why is that? Why? <laughs> he claims it's not his hometown, but we all know. Uh, it is. <laughs> he loves Fall River. Wait, 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 what does he claim is his hometown then? I think it's New Bedford, which I don't know if uh, that's any better. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't talk ill of that that area of the uh, of New England. I wrestle there quite frequently. So. <laughs> Well, what what time did you start uh, teaming with Bob, and how did that kind of uh, Bob Evans, brutal Bob Evans, how did that kind of come about? Uh, it started around yeah uh, that same year, 2013. It started around like August of that year because uh, me and me and Charlie had feuded for like from that January to March, and I think 
Uh, from what I heard, it was supposed to like we we're supposed to have like a match eventually, but then he ended up getting released. So uh, they kind of shifted the feud to like me and versus uh, Mike Bennett and Maria. And at the time, uh, Bob and like Mike Bennett were kind of having like some tension. So I remember uh, Bennett was he was uh, beating somebody down. I, I came in to make the save, and the the turn was Bob saved me from being beat down by Bennett, and then we kind of formed a little tandem there. And the first match we had was a. Uh, me and Bob versus Bennett and actually Maria. And the gimmick behind the match was is that uh, me and Maria weighed the same, so the measurables checked out. So we, that's why they were able to like cut the match together. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I, ironically, I, I, I wrestled me and Mike Bennett kind of wrestled at the beginning of both of our careers quite a bit. And ironically, uh, he had the same build that you currently have when he first started. <laughs> there are pictures to prove this. <laughs> That was a that was a fun match. Remember, that was, yeah, that was the first time me and Bob actually like tagged like anywhere. And uh, we we actually you know I guess I probably know Bob a little better than you do, Mike. But I mean, Bob is somebody who is obviously somebody who's been around a long time, uh, mm-hmm. especially over the last few years, has really has really made a name for himself as as a as a trainer. What did when you, from as far as that standpoint, what did, what did you get out of that from from teaming with Bob and somebody with that level of experience? Uh, just he he just gave me like a different like view he gave me a different viewpoint on wrestling like he really like uh, he, he tells me this all the time like i would when we do like these tag matches and i would always like sit quietly and listen but sometimes i throw in ideas here and there and he'd always tell me like you know like he'd shoot him down and i wouldn't i wouldn't know why and, and he explained to me you know like back when we were first starting out like my ideas were just like were bad they didn't like fit the match but then like over time I think just getting to learn from him, like uh, sometimes I would start suggesting stuff, and then he'd be like, oh, "Okay, that's a good idea. Let's uh, let's throw that in." So like over time, he just helped me learn, like, "Okay, like this doesn't fit here and here, but maybe like maybe this idea works." And it just gave me a different perspective on like psychology and like structuring of like tag matches. And he had, he had some like really creative like stuff with us. Like I remember our, our finisher was uh, uh what was the name of it? Uh, is either the Sesame Seed Stunner or the Super Size Stunner? I forget. I forget which one it was. <laughs> But it was like he, he came up with it and like uh, it would be like I would be riding on his back like a backpack and he would like squish someone <laughs> in the corner and I would hook them like a stunner. And we would walk out and both sit to our butts and give him like a double stunner. stunner. <laughs> and I, I remember I think it was like one of the early trial camps. We were tagging against somebody and uh, I didn't I didn't want to do that like as the finish. I want to do like uh, I forget some some other move that, that we use as like a finish. And he explained it. He was like, well, like, think if you were being put into a video game, would you want that move in the video game? Or would you want to be known for this creative move that we uh, we have in the video game? I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, yeah, let's use this. This should be our move. And we should use this all the time. Actually, a little before maybe this tag team, you were part of the top prospect tournament. Is that the correct kind of time? Uh, that was right after that was right after we teamed. My, my okay. first top prospect was a. Uh, 2014 so i had been uh me and bob have been tagging we only had like two tag matches before that but we had ta- we had like two tag matches between like that august and like that december and then uh i was in the top prospect that january and I actually wrestled uh hansen and uh yeah january 2014 yes a good friend of ours been on the podcast uh many a time uh warbeard hansen um and that was your first round opponent and let's talk about the total destruction of your face Oh. At the hands of Hanson, oh. <laughs> one of the many, one of the many, one of the long list. Yeah, yes. gonna, he's gonna hate me telling this story. He's gonna, Go he's for it. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. It was just, <laughs> it was just uh, he the the match match went good. Uh, then like the the end was uh, his uh, his big uh, spinning kick, and uh, I had my hand up, and where I had my hand was was not where his boot was, and he. <laughs> Clip the uh, clip the uh, like left side of my like the left upper side of my face and it's like caught caught me like right above the eye and I have like a like a scar like above there and uh, I, it knocked me out like completely. And, wow, uh, that was my, that was actually that was actually my first uh, first concussion. So it was actually a pretty terrifying experience. Like I couldn't remember anything. Like I was freaking out. Uh, I well, my eye was swollen shut and uh, it was it was pretty bad. But uh, I remember that show. Uh, Roddy Piper was uh, doing like a autograph signing with a ROH, so he was uh, he was at the show just watching. And I remember like after I got the concussion, I introduced myself to him like three different times, and every time he's like, "Oh yeah, I got you already, kid." <laughs> <laughs> Probably just thought you were a really big mark, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, he was, 
it's it like uh like i remember like I, there was like stuff about the night i don't remember but i definitely remember like introducing myself to him in like the middle of the night and at the end of the night like he, i introduced myself we did like the post-show speech and i remember saying hi to him again <laughs> well, well that's that's something we have in common cheeseburger because uh i was also a victim of the <laughs> of the uh hansen spinning heel kick uh <laughs> while he was still handsome johnny and it was also my first uh pro wrestling concussion <laughs> so uh we had that in common he closed my eye and i and then i missed like three days of work because i couldn't oh, stop coming up so Thankfully, like nothing like there's like no orbital bone damage or anything. It was just like I had like a super big cut and it was like bleeding constantly. And like that was like the most like my like any like in for any injury that like I had like like my eyes like literally swollen shut like I couldn't see out of it. But if you want to hit you a funny story about my second concussion, it was actually called by Bob. Oh wow! <laughs> was this when you were teaming with him, or is this after the turn? No, this is uh, this is after after we had broken up. It was like uh, it was uh, our first our first match actually after he had broken up. Oh my god, what happened there? It was uh, it was in Canada during like the uh, it was uh, the New Japan Global Wars weekend and uh, we we're like uh, third TV episode or something like that and uh, he we like did like a hot start and like I had sent him out to the uh, to the floor. And uh, I get on the apron, and he's gonna like he's he slaps me, and then it's supposed to like piss me off, and I'm supposed to jump on him and like fire up. But like if you watch the video back, he I'm on the apron, he slaps me, and I just like fall through the ropes and like lay down on my back and collapse. And in my head, I, I was thinking like it didn't knock me out completely, but like it definitely like definitely rocked me like a bit. And uh, I remember coming to, and I was like, wait a minute, like oh oh wait, I'm supposed to supposed to fire up here, so I get back up and I'm like. Ah, and I jumped down on onto him in the apron like that. Press off the apron. Is is that the one that was on uh, like the first Destination America episode? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's gonna be pretty cool though when they when uh, the Ring of Honor's run on Destination America and you were featured on you know the very first episode. So yeah, I, mean, that's... Yeah, I remember uh, I I watched that uh, I watched that with my mom and uh, I that was uh, my that match is my first table bump too. That was that that was a. Uh, well, that was actually one of my favorite like endings to a match ever because uh, like no one saw that coming between like me and Bob. It was like, where's this random table bump coming from with Bob and Cheeseburger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a side slam right off the apron. Yeah, yeah they're trying to figure out a way for like us both to go through, so instead of like just me going through and, and the off chance that the table didn't break. So now, now you're you're you said you meant, you mentioned your mom and you're watching it with your mom. How how yeah. does <laughs> I mean, so how does mom feel about about you? You know, one starting at seventeen and two pursuing this now as as your life's work. She's very like she's always been like very supportive, but like like whatever it is, like I wanted to like kind of like put my time and energy into. So like when when this came about and I told her about it, I remember uh, she's like she's really supportive and like was was happy. It was just something to, like kind of get me out of the house and something to get me get me active and something she could see I was passionate about. And uh, I remember, like my first, I wanted to quit after my first, my first day of wrestling school. And I remember we were we were going, we were going back home in the car, and I was telling her I didn't want to come back the the, the second day. And she's just like, like, well, like we already kind of put down like the we already put down the deposit, so maybe just give it like one more day. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, like all right, I'll give it one more day, and then it just kind of kept going from there. But like. Yeah, now she's like so happy, so like so supportive. Like every time I'm like posting like anything about like a match or like promoting like merchandise or something, she's always there on like Facebook sharing it, like telling her friends like check out stuff that I'm doing or like TV. She's just so happy. <laughs> uh, you talked about the the feud with Bob when you guys um, broke up, and you kind of blew it off at well the the dark match for final battle of 2015, right? Yes. How was how was that match for you? Oh, it's great. I I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed that match a lot. I still go back and like we'll we'll watch it every now and again. It was one of, yeah one of my favorite matches that I had because yeah we actually I, I don't know I don't know what it was that but I think just like that whole atmosphere of like the being in the arena and getting to kind of like bring this feud to a close like it was. It all I think it all just fit and then like have you have you seen the have you seen the ending sequence of the match? I don't think I have. Have you, Brian? I, I, I have not. No. If you haven't, you have to go watch it. I, oh God, I, 
if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it for you, but like, yeah, I kind of it's, it's it's on YouTube. Everybody, right now, yeah, go yeah. watch the finishing sequence and come back there, to yeah, us. There's, there's, we'll, we'll, there's put a, we'll put a link to this match in our uh, show notes or whatever. Yeah, so. if you don't, you don't, if you don't watch the whole thing, watch like the last like three minutes leading into the finishing stretch. Something happens with Bob that like makes the match like perfect. I won't, I won't I, since you haven't seen, it, I won't spoil what it is. But you, <laughs> no, when you, when it happens, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I guarantee you what I'm doing as soon as as, as soon as we conclude this interview. <laughs> yes, exactly. you you can't you, trust me. You can't miss it. Once it happens, you'll know you'll be like you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, I think, but that it was something that was unplanned, but it added to like the match. That's that's all. Uh, that's all I'll say. <laughs> All right, can't wait to see that. Now, when we talked about you opening the show at Final Battle, it seems like they have you opening the show a lot, and that's kind of like a, a very like um, kind of prestigious position to be in to open a right. show. Yeah. Why? Why do you think they call on you to be the guy to like open a Ring of Honor event? Uh, I think just because like the uh, like like Brian was saying, like the crowd, like their reaction they give me, I think it kind of helps set the set the tone for the show. Like you know. Sometimes you know, people look down on like the the opening match and it's like, oh, you know, I'm like I'm opening the show. But you like that that show open has one of the most important jobs and just like a card in general, because they set the tone for the rest of the night. Like if if you go out there and like and open the show and like the crowd's not invested or you have like a stinker of a match, they're just going to even even if the crowd is like pumped for the rest of the show and they're like excited for what's to come. I think just subconsciously that kind of mentally will take them take them out of it in a way so i think that that show open is so important so i think them seeing a, a familiar face that they that they like and they they're excited for it kind of helps get them pumped and like all right this is going to be like this, this whole show is going to be like a kind of fun ride yeah i mean i mean brian it, like you've said in the past if it's not the main event you want to be in the opener right yeah, I mean, especially you know, and I've been on some long cards, man, <laughs> and uh, and I, I'll tell you, it, there's yeah, the crowd because the crowd is hot. They want to see wrestling. Okay. Um, they're they're they they're sitting there. They they've probably thought about it all day. They bought their tickets probably, especially yeah. if, if it's a Ring of Honor event. It's probably mm-hmm. tickets they've had for weeks or months. Yeah. Um, these people want to see wrestling and then, and then to be the first recognizable person and be able to set the tone. Yeah. If you're not going to be the main event, put me on first. I'm, I'm all for that for a while, for a long time. Like, uh, I didn't, I didn't understand. I actually didn't understand why until like very recently, but like I would always be like one of the first matches on like the, uh, fourth taping on like, uh, these, uh, TV taping, the fourth episode of the, uh, tapings that we do. And, uh, for a long time, I didn't understand why, but, but the crowd is like, so, after you, like Brian, you'll you'll learn like being around like ROH more. I'm sure I'm sure you've been to a couple like these TV tapings. They go long, and by like by the time like third episode comes around, like the crowd is like super drained. So I think why the reason I was on these like like first match like fourth taping was just because it kind of helps get the crowd like energized a little bit. Like seeing like seeing me come out, it's like all right, you know, retire, but like oh hey here's here's cheeseburger, maybe we can kind of like get get some energy back in this. Yeah, I will say I, w- I was I was happy. I was very pleased with my placement in, uh, <laughs> in Pittsburgh. I was very scared about about potentially being on the fourth episode. Right. And, it's you know, again, just because, yeah, it's it's it's. I I think any time. Um, I mean, even uh, harken back to the days of the old WWF tapings. You know, the, the, yeah. the, it's 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 asking a lot of the crowd. So oh yeah. Um, to be somebody that the crowd, the company has faith in to to get the crowd back up and get them right. back position like that's you know that like mike said it's a prestigious uh you know uh spot yeah, on the yeah. card and you know you know the company has faith in you at, at that point right to me like one of the to, like i remember matt Seidel saying to me like sometimes like like he like he yeah he likes being in the opener but sometimes it can like uh i guess like fool you for like how over you are just i guess because like when you come out like the crowd's been waiting to see wrestling they're like oh like yeah someone's coming out like that's like it's time like get the show started but uh, to me, like one of the hardest spots to be in is uh, like that first match after intermission when like people are still coming back. Like that, that is always like kind of like that. Uh, they'll sometimes I'll be put in that role too, like first after intermission to kind of like get the crowd back up. So yeah, uh, for like the second half of the show, just because like you know people are kind of like they're kind of cooling down during the intermission. They're like everyone when the intermission when they come back from intermission, everyone's not really in their seats. So like the reactions are a little scattered. So it's like, yep, like work like really hard to kind of like get that crowd, like back after that, uh, that intermission. So I'm curious, Berger, when, um, 
you know, so you mentioned obviously apprehension at first, and I can definitely understand that about the name. Yeah. Um, about what point now, or did you start embracing it? Like, okay, I, I like this. I can make this work. This is this is this is who I am. Uh, I would say I would say somewhere around like during the brutal burgers run, maybe like a little bit like a little bit after that first top prospect, and then like as me and Bob got to start tagging more, I really started to like kind of like getting into it, like embracing it, and like uh, I started like embracing like this. That's like underdog character because you know, like me, just being a just being a uh, fan. Like we all, I think, like well, not all, but I think, like in general, us as like wrestlers, we want to just like do like cool stuff, and we're like very, we want to just do like whether it be like strong sour, high flyer, or like like uh, like hard hitting. Like we just want to do like cool stuff. So for me, I was I wasn't super interested in like this uh, this underdog role, but then. Over time, I started like embracing it because I realized, okay, like the crowd doesn't want to see me. At least, I'm, I'm not, at least not at the point I was when I was first starting this character in like 2013, 2014. The crowd didn't want to see me do like high flying stuff, or, like fake strong style or something like that. They just wanted to see me like beat up and like fire back on on, on uh, whoever I was in the ring with. So I think once once that kind of clicked in my head, I started being, I started thinking like, okay. Now this is this is all kind of starting to make sense for me, and now everything's kind of starting to click, and this is kind of this is working because this is what the crowd wants to see, and I'm giving them that, and I'm getting good reactions from it. Yeah, and and once you buy the burger hat, you're in it for the long haul, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just bought five uh five new one five new burger hats. I uh wow. I had uh I had a house show one like a TV one that's like <laughs> in between, and I sold the uh the house show one when I was uh when I was in J- on my last trip to Japan. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so speaking of Japan, I mean, something that kind of came on screen, but I think actually started behind the scenes was your kind of friendship with the Jushin Thunder Liger, of course, a, right. legend, a legend in Japan. <laughs> How did that really come about? That started like backstage, right? And it kind of came on screen? Yeah, yeah. It started uh, when when we first started our deal with New Japan. It was uh, 2014, I believe. Yeah, yeah, 2014. Uh and the New Japan guys that came, uh, we did uh, had a show in Canada and a show in New York. Actually, it was a uh, Mark Briscoe that introduced me to like the New Japan guys. Like, he just called me into their locker room. And was like, "Hey, have you guys met Cheeseburger?" And just went, went around shaking their hands, and they and they knew me as Cheeseburger. So like, uh, they came and stayed in Philly for like a week. So uh, I was in charge of like making sure they were taken care of. So they want they want to see the stuff from Rocky. <laughs> so I took like uh like Liger and a bunch of the other New Japan guys like around uh around Philly like one like one Monday afternoon. So we just spent like a whole day in Philly going to see like all the sites from Rocky. After that, like uh the next day the uh Liger gave me like a, a t shirt as a gift and he like autographed and like drew like a picture of his face on it and that's pretty cool. <laughs> so like uh that that day we had a two day we had a two day trial camp with uh it was like ROH New Japan two day trial camp that we did. And uh, all the New Japan guys were there watching just to see if there were any like prospects. So uh, that day, the first day, I actually tried to do the palm strike to kind of uh, in the in the match. And the the second day, uh, one of the Japanese guys asked me about it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I tried to do a uh, Liger's palm strike." And uh, he had he said, "Oh, you should ask him to teach you." And I was I was like, "Oh, he, I was like, you think he would?" He's like, "Yeah, let's go ask him." So he uh, took me to go ask Liger if he would teach me the palm strike, and yeah, he taught he taught me there right there on the spot and gave me like his blessing to use it. So like just from then on, he's uh always kind of been like a like a, a mentor, like a my my senpai. I always say, and the, he'll uh, like give me advice and like help me help me out with stuff. And he's always been like very just very helpful to me. Like uh, I when I did my first trip to Japan, I remember all the the Japanese. They had like a couple of they have a couple of different locker rooms for like the one for the Americans, one for like Japanese guys, and then like a Bullet Club one and like a Chaos one. So I remember uh, one of the young boys came to grab me to go to the Japanese locker room. <laughs> I walk in and everyone like in the Bowery Isle is all just like sitting in a circle and they all just like stop talking. And I turn around, like look at me and see me in the room. I was just, like, <laughs> just like the, rec- <laughs> the record scratch. Right. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, like everyone's looking like, who's this, who's this guy walking in here? And then like Liger stands up and like uh, it welcomes me to the locker room, introduces me to everybody. And I thought that was like a pretty cool moment. Yeah, that's tremendous. So you talked about your your first trip over there. That was kind of like uh, almost a surprise. Your appearance in the New Japan Rumble. So how did right. that come about? It just uh, the, the ROH office contacted me one day. They were just like, "Hey, we got some good news for you." I was like, "I was like," uh, in my head, I was like, 
Well, well, they called me and, and put me on like a three-way call with like uh, the people in the office, and like in my head, I was like, "Yo, this might be. Am I getting like? Is this what's like? What's going on?" Like in my head, I was like, "Oh, I must be getting fired for something." <laughs> Not that I had anything to get fired for, but it was like in my head, I was like, "This is kind of weird that the office is, like on the three-way call for me." And uh, but then they told me, and I was just like, I was just in like stunned silence when they uh, they're like, "Yeah, they want you for uh, to come over for the." Uh, for the Tokyo Dome Battle Royale. I was just like stunned silence on the phone. And they're like, are you there? Are you still, are you still alive? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm still, I'm just uh, kind of taking it all in. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I went and they told me that and I went through the entire process of getting the, getting the visa and all that. And then uh, I remember just like getting, just finally getting, like landing in the plane and like getting the stuff off the plane to the airport. And I literally just wanted to like, Get on my knees, like kiss the ground, like oh, it finally happened. I'm I'm here, like it's uh it's uh, now like uh it's now a reality. Oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> so when you stepped into like the Tokyo Dome for the first time, were you just kind of like taken aback by the size uh, of that place? It's it's breathtaking. Like you to to get to the Tokyo Dome, there's a they have the Tokyo Dome Hotel, which is uh uh right next door, but there's like an underground like tunnel that that we uh we go through to get to the dome. So it's like. You you do this like long like like a uh, like five ten minute walk through this uh, underground tunnel, and then you you finally get through to like into the uh, the underbelly of the dome where like the locker rooms and stuff are, and you walk up these stairs and you just open out. You just like step onto the uh, the actual field and you see like all the seats and like the huge setup. It's just insanely like breathtaking. Like when you just walk there and see like everything how this how it's set up like completely empty, and then like when the fans start coming in and the show is going like it's like it's even cooler like when all the fans are there and the lights and stuff the lights are down and like the the tron is like lighting up and like all the videos are playing like it's insanely like breathtaking I mean, yeah i mean i'm sure it's just an amazing moment from the 17 year old kid who walks into the ring of honor dojo and <laughs> wants to quit on his first day and, right. and it, those are those types of moments where you start to i'm sure lots of reflecting and and you know just thinking about the journey Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. It was a, uh, it was cool just to get to experience that with like uh, like people who like I look look up to as mentors. Like uh, my first trip, uh, Kevin Kelly was there and uh, Delirious was there, and then the the trip that just passed, uh, Steve Korean was there, so I took like a group picture with all those guys. And uh, Todd was there for both the trips, and it was cool like getting to experience that with him too. Uh, it was cool to experience it, but it's also cool to like have all these people who kind of helped me along the way, like get to be there for that experience as well. So yeah, you said you were there again this year for the for the Rumble, and mm-hmm. it came down to to you and Michael Elgin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Final two this time. So did that was that like kind of? Uh, I mean, you didn't you didn't win the thing, but that was was that kind of like an honor just to be among guys like you know Billy Gunn showed up in the match yeah. and stuff like that, and it's it's <laughs> you and Elgin at the end. Billy Gunn, Scott Norton, like uh, yeah. yeah. Oh man, that was that was a uh, like pretty incredible. Like and like the the fans. When when I went the first year and I came out, I remember the the fans like reaction. They were just like, like who is this? Like who? Like who is this guy? <laughs> and then, but when I came out the when I came out uh, this past year, like or, or this year I should say, uh, they like people like I could hear people like starting like get excited when they when they realized I was making my entrance. And then when I, when I was in the final two, it just gets elegant. I was like firing up, kind of get the crowd behind me. They were coming up for me and they were giving me their support, which. Like to get the support of like those like the Japanese fans meant like meant so much to me. And you actually I mean, speaking of Scott Norton, you actually teamed with him the next day, right? At the uh, <laughs> oh man, that was so cool. Was like so a like cool. a ten man tag against the Bullet Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we uh, reunited a uh, Team Two Thousand. Uh, team Two Thousand. If you guys don't know, it was like a like a spinoff of NWO Japan. Back when they, they had like NWO Japan, and that kind of like I guess after the NWO and WCW kind of like went away, or that connection went away. They uh kind of turned that into Team 2000 and was led by like Scott Norton and like Tenzan and like Chono. And so uh, uh they kind of like they they're like yeah you're in this ten man tag with uh Scott Norton. They're like here uh, wear this shirt. Look, it's like a Team 2000 shirt. I'm like hey, what? <laughs> like we're they're doing this. And the funny thing to me was uh we did like a group photo backstage, right? And like uh we post we like the, the photo like the photos of the group were online. And like a few days after it, uh, Chono tweeted. The, the group photo and he wrote like team 2000 and he wrote who is this on the left and it's like me all the way on the left he just wrote <laughs> he tweeted like who is this <laughs> <Goodness>. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> 
so now, so now in, in Ring of Honor, you're, you're teaming with with Will Ferrara a lot. And uh, yes, did you guys start about the same time or? No, he he uh, well he had, he's been wrestling like a lot longer than me. He started I think at like fourteen, fifteen. He he oh, started wow. uh he started in New York with uh Johnny Johnny Rods and uh in Brooklyn, and he started with uh Johnny Rods and like Warriors Wrestling. He was trained by like Taz. So he was trained by like a couple of different places in New York, and uh, he actually came through through the uh, ROH uh, uh, training uh, training camps. Uh, he did like two or three tryouts, and uh, after after a while, he just started coming to driving from New York to train every week at the dojo. So uh, he just kind he just kind of became a part of our system through coming in through those trials and then just training every week. So now me and him were both like uh, assistant trainers at the school, and we're a tag team now, obviously. Yeah, let's. So, yeah, t- Oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. I was going to say, you're probably saying the same thing you say. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, dojo and you mm-hmm. helping out with the training. How did that come about where you're helping out? Uh, just, oh, for like, well, I've been, I've been at the dojo about six years now. So I'm kind of like the longest, uh, like, tenured student that's like still there. But just like, even at, even like after like my first year there, I was, I've kind of been helped training for like the past like four or five years. Like it would be at for a time it was kind of just delirious was just there by himself. So I'll always be the one he would use to help demonstrate the drills and whatnot. And or if they're like new students coming in, he would say like, all right, just uh, kind of work with these guys on the outside and, and teach them like these like very basic holds, you know. So just over time, just from always being around, like I'm always there like every week and just like slowly uh, just kind of morphed into that role of all right now it's like official we're reopening the school and like you and will are going to be the assistant trainers so like uh like a lot of the people the last few years like uh like mandy leon who came uh who came through the dojo system i've had like a, a hand in like helping train but like now now we reopen the school these classes are coming in now i i kind of fully feel like all right these are my like my students you know did you help out with the uh the training camps also Yes, yes, I was always there. It's like a, one of the coaches at the the tryout camps and the training camps. I was I was like participating in them for a while just as as a student to uh, kind of like get better and like learn. And then like over time, I just started becoming like a coach and helping out at those camps. Uh, right now at the dojo, we have about uh, ten students. The first class we had a uh, one guy. Second class, it's a few months after we had a uh, two guys and a girl. And then uh, this class we just that just passed that uh, they've only been training like a few weeks. We have uh, six guys right now. So uh, you were at these camps. So what'd you think of a young whippersnapper by the name of Brian Malonis when he came through? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not just saying this because he, he he knows it's true, but he was like the number one, number two standout at the camp. It was like him and this other guy with like a clown gimmick named Chuckles. And I remember like everyone, they actually had a match the second day. That was awesome. Like him and that guy, they were like the top two standouts of that camp. Like, and not just my opinion, but like a lot of the coaches uh, opinions as well. So, and that was how, and that that trial camp was how he got his uh, obviously guys like his role for the top prospect. Yeah, the trial camps are, I mean, they're awesome. It's it, it's funny because I I just think they're um, it's not just a trial camp either. You know, obviously right. I think that's the goal of every every one of us that goes in there is uh, you know I mean my goal flat out going in there was I I want to get a a job with Ring of Honor. Exactly. Uh, you know, but just it, it's it's one it's a great learning experience just to. Just the level of experience of the guys that the coaches that are there. If you yeah, get yeah. something out of it, then it's pro- you probably don't belong in wrestling. Right. right. It's uh, it's just a cool like I just love the atmosphere too. Like you know we're nobody like like you know sometimes people have like perceptions or like everyone there is going to be like a hard ass. They're going to try and like blow you up and they're going to like work you to death. It's like no like we're we just want to see like what you got in the ring and we want to help you learn. Like everyone's like super friendly. Everyone's super positive. It's like a fun atmosphere. Like. Like, obviously, like, the first day, like, I'm, I'm sure maybe you included, like, everyone, like, there's, like, the nerves the first day, but by the second day, everyone's, like, nice and relaxed, and, like, the second day is, like, so much fun. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely the nerves of the, you know, just because, and again, the back of your mind, or not in the back of your mind, it's advertised right on the, at the door, it's a, it's a tryout, and, right. it's, and it's a seminar, yeah. um, so, yeah, there was definitely, you know, there's definitely nerves, but at the end of it, too, then just thinking back upon it, it was just, you know what? There's a lot worse ways you can spend a weekend if you're somebody who is in professional wrestling and loves professional wrestling and spending about, you know, right. 24, 25 hours learning wrestling and just being around positive, passionate people. Like, oh, absolutely. Like I'll see like times online where like from fans, I even like from wrestlers, it's like from fans who like, you know, obviously like aren't involved in wrestling. They're like, oh, why was, why is Ring of Honor like pick up people from these trial camps? Like these trial camps are a waste of money. And it's like, like, no, like you don't understand like these 
like you get to spend like the the trial camps are advertised from like 10 10 a.m to 4 4 p.m but like that first day we were there like 12 hours we were there to like almost like midnight you know working like <laughs> like we, it's literally like two days 24 hours of just like learning from some like the best minds in wrestling like and if you don't if you don't get like a job from that just like the experience you get from that and like the connections you make like though that's worth so like that's worth so much it's like two days and yeah like it's three hundred dollars but like that from what you're going to gain from that that's like a small investment and plus like you know, we provide lunch for you, which you can't ask for more than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, yeah, yeah, another, I meant yeah. to talk to somebody, but I was very unsatisfied with the lunch. So. Ah, <laughs> they email, the, email the corporate like that one guy. Oh, yeah, God. I know, right? Yeah, that so the, the story that they, yeah, that they told there about <laughs> the person who went to corporate about uh, about the lunch that was provided. Uh, <laughs> I, I can tell you, I can tell you about that story real quick. It's a pretty good story. Please, do. there's like. Well, obviously names withheld because the guy doesn't deserve any attention. But like, uh, it was like uh, one. It's like a few years ago, it was a tryout camp, and uh, there's a tag match the first day between four guys, and like the match just like right off the bat just completely fell apart. Like it just completely like it was one of like the probably one of the worst trial matches we ever had. Like every, we rarely get like super like awful like what was that trial matches? Like there's only been like maybe three or four I can think of. I was just like the, the hundreds that we've had, but like that one was like really bad. And I remember like after the match, like Roddy like gets up, like Roddy being Roddy, uh, he goes, uh, look guys, like my six year old niece can put together a better match than that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's just like, but he's trying like, he's like, he's trying to get to the bottom. He's like, all right, like, let me, like what happened? Like, what, like what happened to this match? Like what? Like, uh, I remember the biggest thing in the match was like, one of the baby faces, or, or sorry, one of the heels with the baby face to his own corner while their partner was standing in that corner. And then when that <laughs> happened, everyone was just like, what the fuck is this? So, like, uh, Roddy goes, like, why'd you whip him to his own corner? And the guy goes, uh, that was what we called. And he's like, no, but I'm asking you why. He's like, that, the guy responds. He's like, talking back. He's like, that was what we called. He's like, no, but I'm trying to figure out, like, why would you do that? He's like, yeah, that was what we called. And Roddy's like, all right, man, like, <laughs> Do it, do it your all right, man. Do it your way. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the guy, like would not like when like he did not want to like take the criticism like for that match. And so like after that, like the coaches were just like trying like just like figure out like what what went wrong with this match. So I remember the second like they weren't obviously you know like the criticism there was like very constructive. They weren't being mean about it, but they were just like that match like completely fell off the rails. Like what, the, what happened? So like the next day. Uh, three of the three of the four guys didn't show up the next day for the uh, second day of the trial camp, and uh, the one the one guy who was talking back to Roddy like sent the email to corporate. He goes like, uh, he's like talking. He's like, uh, hey, he's like, they put me in there with like the three greenest guys in the camp. I was like, I'm a professional that was trained by the Hart family. I know what I'm talking about. Like his name dropping. Like, oh yeah, I went to like uh, some like Hart uh, Hart family camp or something, and I was trained by these guys and like blah 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 blah. Uh, talking about like uh, how his opponents were green, they put all the blame on his opponents, and he's like, "I thought I was gonna be in there like an ROH professional, and I thought ROH management was gonna be there." And it's just like, "What do you mean ROH management wasn't there? Like the top decision makers from ROH are all at the camp the <laughs> entire day. Like, what are you talking about?" And then just like at the very end, he goes, "And the lunch sucked." <laughs> 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 oh man, it was uh, oh, it was it was bad. And a uh, little-known fact: that's uh, this, this person has gone on to be Dalton Castle. No, of course I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm kidding. <laughs> wow, what a uh, talk about somebody that just doesn't have. Yeah. Um, you know, I forget wrestling priorities, life priorities. If oh you're man, to get a job. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've had, uh, yeah, we have we very very rarely will will it happen now, but like a few times we've had like people come in with like this like unwarranted sense of like self-importance and it's always like the the guys that are awful that come in with like this ego like is there like the good guys like standing out at the camp it's always like guys who like do really bad that come in like oh i'm like the best ever like i put the blame on everyone else and i know i know what i'm talking about but you know wrestling has so many of those people of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah so well you know I, I I think that's that's probably I, I don't know that we're gonna top that top that <laughs> so you know I just want to you know take a second here uh, cheeseburger and just say thanks and then uh, please let us know where 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 uh, you know fans can find you on social media and and things you may have uh, uh, upcoming oh absolutely uh, you can follow me on Twitter at cheeseburger roh 
And then uh, you can follow me on my Instagram, which I've been heavily getting into lately, at ROH Cheeseburger. So uh, Twitter, Cheeseburger ROH, and Instagram, ROH Cheeseburger. Wait, uh, real quick side note. Uh, so the only reason I made, like, I ended up making the Cheeseburger Twitter is because there was a fake Cheeseburger Twitter going around once I started, like, kind of, like, doing stuff with ROH. I, I didn't have a Twitter, and there was a, a fake uh, account that actually took the name Cheese, ROH Cheeseburger. So that's why I had to be Cheeseburger ROH. And it would have been a problem, but the fake account was tweeting people on the roster as if they were me. And like, <laughs> like, oh. like they're, they're tweeting like, like Rhett and like Shelton Benjamin, like just weird stuff. I was like, oh, this, I got, I got to put into this. That's so, how uh, you know you're a success, Burger, is when somebody <laughs> creates a fake Twitter account of you. <laughs> so, uh, so those are the Twitter and the Instagram. And you can uh, buy, I have t shirts for sale at ProSMT slash cheeseburger. And also I have official ROH ones available if you go to, ROHWrestling.com, you can find uh, the very popular in, in, uh, in Japan cheeseburger t-shirts as well. <laughs> That's tremendous. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you so much for uh, for uh, taking the time. And uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing much more of you in, in person. Uh, yeah, man. I hope, I hope to see you around like, a lot more, man. Thanks very much, Cheeseburger. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll, I'll send you a link with the timestamp for that uh, the thing with Bob I was talking about. Yes, oh, please. please. For, yes. for us and all the people listening right now. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. absolutely. Cool. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right, so guys, we want your feedback. Every Thursday on our BDA bonus podcast, we do something called Merv Griffin Time, a talkback segment where we interact with you, the listener. So let us know at the WPAN on Twitter your feedback on our interview with Cheeseburger. And tweet us especially if you have questions you'd like me or the Kingpin to address. Use the hashtag WPAN and we'll mention you and your tweets this Thursday on the BDA bonus episode on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing podcast feed. But not if you attacked me. That's true. <laughs> now those will be read twice, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. But a way you can interact with us right here on the NAI Network every week is through our voicemail line. We want to hear from you. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Or just go to Facebook.com slash the WPAN on your phone and click that big blue call now button. That'll put you right in touch with us. You leave your voicemail. We'll play it right here on the NAI network. Okay, Kingpin, it is time for this week's promo about nothing but before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Bliss does it again? Yes, Bill Neville is currently rejoicing. Alexa Bliss is once again the SmackDown Women's Champion after Naomi relinquished the title due to injury, and then Alexa beat Becky Lynch through nefarious means. So, Bliss does it again? Well, yes, but what BDA Radio really means is the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. Five Feet of Fury? No, 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 no. It's 5,000 Fists of Fury at BDARadio.com. Yes. So now, Brian, now that you've recovered from that amazing live read, it is time <laughs> for your promo about nothing for this week. And my friend, it was the year 1979. Not our oldest promo, but pretty darn close. And it is, once again, Memphis Wrestling. Last time we uh, delved this far back into Memphis Wrestling history, it was Batman versus Super King, if you remember, Brian. <laughs> yes, a glorious, glorious promo. And well, this time it is someone by the name of Terry Boulder. It might sound slightly familiar to you, Brian. All right, let's get right into it. This week's promo about nothing talk about mr bass for a minute uh one of the most tragic events in his life is just about to take place this monday when i get my hands on him there's just been a little bit of a problem where we come from there's a bad junkyard dog in port tampa you know and he was always beating on all the little dogs and biting on their ears and everything and all of a sudden a little bit bigger dog came along 
And last Monday in Memphis, my brother dropped so many eyes, I mean so many elbows, on uh, Mr. Bass's head that his eyes kind of look like goofy grape, you know. <laughs> well, now Mr. Bass is running scared because the big dog's good on him. Well, there's just a little bit bigger dog that's after you, brother, and that's me. And this Monday night in Memphis, Daddy, when I get a hold of you, Mr. Bass, I'm going to take you and bury your head right in the mat, brother. I'm going to teach you a little bit of a wrestling lesson and a little respect for these good people around here. And I'm going to put the super southern squeeze on you, Daddy. And when I get done with you, brother, I'm going to squeeze all that meanness out of you and all those bad ways you have. And I'm going to turn you over to these people in Memphis and let them whip on you a little bit after you're down and out. That's a promise I'm going to make to everybody here. And I'm going to have my running shoes on. So if you plan on running one more time from me, I'm coming after you. And if I catch you in the dressing room, I'm going to drag you all the way back out to the ring. And a lot of folks that I don't want mad at me, but this is the one that I for sure don't want mad at me, uh, the Hulk. And his brother, Eddie Bowler, will be right there Monday night. Good luck to you down there, you guys, and we'll be looking for it. Okay, Terry and Eddie, and uh, we've got more wrestling action coming up. Thank you for your contributions, Eddie Bowler. <laughs> there it is, Brian. Proof! Hulk Hogan is from the South! Yeah. He's going to put the super southern squeeze on Ron Bass. Yeah, uh, I think we determined that he was indeed from Florida, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. So foolish. You're such a moron. Yes. You, you really are. You probably should be on Booking the Territory, not the WPAN. I think, I think Scotty Slade could probably fill in handsomely for you on a permanent basis. Oh, boy. So, yes, Brian. Terry <laughs> the Hulk Boulder. One of the uh, first names used by Hulk Hogan in 1979. He started in 1977, so this is just a couple years in, and he wasn't quite there yet, was he, Brian? No, he was not. And uh, I think the the biggest contribution to this promo about nothing may have been uh, Brutus Beefcake's hair and mustache. (laughs) You have to go see the video just to see that uh, wide-eyed fella with the bleach blonde hair and the terrible mustache. (laughs) Uh, who contributed absolutely nothing, as I just mentioned, to this promo. To the wrestling business? No, I'm kidding. Oh, oh <laughs> um, Yeah, so, Brian, I, I turned this thing on, expecting what you're going to do, and I kind of got a, what you're going to snooze. He was uh, very subdued, um, stumbled a little bit, talking about uh, Beefcake's going to drop eyes on him, or, but then cha- oh, drop elbows. And Hulk Hogan, that hair, can you believe it? Well, <laughs> before the balding... <laughs> yeah, he just—he had most of it right there. <laughs> looked wonderful, and he had the like the sideburns and the glasses. He still looked looked like a star, even way back in 1979. He, d- he did love a good daddy in his uh, in his <laughs> yes. promos, did he not? Yeah, there, I think there was more daddies than brothers, if you can believe that. <laughs> well, you know, he's a very family oriented man. <laughs> he sure is, and he's still my hero, even after this. Of course. Wow. He came a long way, Terry the Hulk Boulder. I, th- I think I told a story. Maybe, maybe I haven't told the story on the, on the podcast about uh, the one time I was at TV with Hulk, with Hulk Hogan, and uh, everybody's like watching the monitor, and he's like, there's like a like a line of people, and he's kind of going down the line and saying goodbye to people and saying goodbye to people, and uh, I decided like I'm just gonna stand here, and maybe he'll say bye, <laughs> say bye to me, and he stopped like three people before me. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, so I've, I've never really got to meet Hulk Hogan. That's the cl- that, and then earlier in the day, uh, I was in catering. I ate. I got up. I went to leave, and then he sat in the very same seat that I had just been in. So that, that, those were uh, that same day my my two closest uh, encounters with uh, my childhood hero Hulk Hogan. So I I don't know how I'd handle meeting the Hulkster man. There's there's a couple people I'd be starstruck by. I think uh, Hulk Hogan and probably like Roger Clemens would be the other one I'd be really starstruck by at this point in my life. So Hulk Hogan felt your ass warmth when you got up out of your seat. <laughs> I'm sure he appreciated it greatly. Unbelievable. That's very, very nice. Uh, yes, yeah, so Hulk Hogan came a long way. Bruce Beefcake, not so much. Yeah, he had uh, an all right career, huh? He did, he did, a, he did all right. Yeah, he did all right. All right, you've heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, you have to see it just to see Brutus Beefcake. Find the link to the video in the description of this episode on the NAI Network. Okay, you, Brian, are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and give me those dates. Well, Mike, uh, you got well, me. I may be doing something this weekend. I'm not re- <laughs> perhaps maybe doing something this weekend, but uh, maybe we'll talk about it in the future. <laughs> Check your local listings. <laughs> perhaps you know, depending okay. on. Uh, 
depending on how this week's match goes. I uh, see. <laughs> but I'll be returning to the fighting city of Brockton, Massachusetts, on Friday night, March the 10th, for Top Rope Promotions. Find uh, that's, Again, that's in Brockton. Uh, go to Top Rope Promotions Facebook and their Twitter for more details, brownpapertickets.com. Come on out to Brockton and see the Kingpin and all the stars at Top Rope Promotions. Uh, the very next night, the 11th, I will be heading to Hadley, Massachusetts for Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling. Oh. Yes. So I'll be making my return to your old stomping grounds of Western Massachusetts. Again, find Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling uh, on Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff and uh, get full ticket info. And then Friday night, March the 17th, the big one, buddy. Chaotic's annual big event, Cold Fury. Uh, what Whoa. number are we on? I don't even know what number we're on here, buddy. 16, I believe. 16? Are we sure? Yes. I'll be there. It's called Cold Fury. Some guy named uh, Cody Rhodes there. I think he used to be Stardust in uh, in WWE. Oh boy! But he'll be he'll be there live in attendance. Uh, so so will the Kingpin, and that's uh, that's good enough, or should be good enough for you to go out and buy tickets. So get your tickets now. ChaoticWrestling.com. Find Chaotic Wrestling on Twitter and Facebook. I believe it's in Haverhill, Massachusetts this year. It is in Haverhill, Mass. I'm sorry. I failed to uh, mention it's, uh, what is it, Northern Essex Community College. There you go. Yes. All right. Always so... a lot of tickets sold out. And boy, who would have thought uh, one year later I'd be, I'd be back at Cold Fury, huh? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 an, it's a miracle, <laughs> Brian. It's a miracle. <laughs> well, their money is green and it spins, Michael. <laughs> oh boy, I'm going to get myself in hot you, water for that one If you want uh, to give the next miracle booking to the Kingpin Email him, brianmalonis at comcast.net Or you can hit up the DMs at Brian Malonis on Twitter You, you assumed I right? was done What do you mean? <laughs> I got one more March booking I was going to plug Oh Jesus Christ, go for it Jeez, sorry buddy, I'm busy, I'm in demand I didn't, I had no idea You jerk all right. <laughs> so much for getting Denver, Colorado on this podcast. Oh, boy. The man, not the place. Oh, I see. <laughs> but Sunday, March 19th, Mike, Beyond Wrestling, Electric Haze, Worcester, Massachusetts. Check out Beyond. Beyond Wrestling has a great social media presence, so check them out. I also want to say, go get a damn subscription to Beyond Demand on YouTube. There is some amazing content on there. There's a lot of people that you're going to see or ha or do see currently in places like NXT and PWG and uh Ring of Honor and all sorts of places and also some of the uh some of the best international talent uh you know in the world and 10 bucks a month. If you're if you're one of these people again that don't you don't like WWE, complain about WWE. Uh, this is yet another great alternative in addition to even, uh, you know, Ring of Honor or Impact Wrestling. You know, Beyond Demand's online service. Tons of great matches on there. Go check it out. Spend 10 bucks a month. It's, uh, it's great stuff. So, yeah, giving a little plug to my friends at Beyond Wrestling, buddy. You getting a cut of this? Well, I guess kind of, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, yeah. If they stay alive, you, uh, you keep getting paydays for them, right? Beyond Wrestling will be okay, man. It's, uh, uh, I've said it many times. I'm, I'm very happy to be part of Beyond Wrestling. It's a, uh, it's a really fun atmosphere, and, and uh, I don't know. I love it. I love being part of it. Their shows are always a blast, and uh, I don't think anybody ever leaves the Beyond Wrestling show disappointed uh, thinking they didn't get their money's worth, so... Come on out and uh, check us out on March the 19th in Worcester. I promise you won't be disappointed. All right. Well, I already plugged your stuff. So we are back on Thursday with the WPAN BDA bonus podcast. Search WPAN on your favorite podcatcher or go to BDARadio.com for more. Then you can join us back here in one week next Monday on the NAI Network for episode 46 of the wrestling podcast about nothing. Till then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko and thanks for nothing. <laughs>